Hello, and welcome to the Presenter Mastery Podcast. I'm Lucas. And I'm David. And together, we're your weekly guides for unlocking the power of presentation skills. Now, whether you're in sales, leadership, coaching, training, or any other field, this podcast is your go-to resource for everything presentations related. Now, the goal with this podcast is to transform your ability to captivate and influence your audience and become a master presenter. And today, we are talking about blackouts, specifically handling blackouts during presentations. Indeed, indeed. So could you start, could we, like, what are blackouts? Is it, is it just the power going out <laughs> and, and with digital, your camera is dying? Or, or are we wow. talking about maybe the internal blackouts and the memory losses and everything horrible that can happen when we, when we stand on stage? Yeah, it's, uh, it can be a sudden sensation. It can be a gradual sensation. The, uh, the gradual sensation, I think, is more common. And that's the one where you're just about to go up to present you've been nervous maybe for up to a week before you know dreading this moment or thinking about it often visualizing what possibly could go wrong and then as you go up you start sweating your palms are sweaty your heartbeat is is going literally through your shirt or your blouse or whatever you're wearing and you stand there and you start talking and your mouth goes dry and you start losing words and your vocabulary gets weak and you don't really know where you are anymore and the only thing that you can rely on is that your mouth is still working because you have no idea where you are what you're doing what you're saying and you can you can hear it in your voice it's trembling you can see that rush of redness coming up through your um, neck and then for some people yes it just goes black and they faint mm. that would be the ultimate ultimate version of blackout yeah definitely nothing we want and no. the absolute op opposite of a being a brilliant presenter it doesn't make you the best you can be that's for sure no no I, it's a horrible feeling i don't know about you but i i i um definitely have stood on stage and just lost what I was about to say. I remember one time when I got a question that I was, I knew the answer, but I just couldn't figure it out at the time. And my coping mechanism, instead of just going completely dry and just walking off, I, I, I thought to myself, maybe if I just keep on talking, I'll remember <laughs> what the answer <laughs> was. That is such a shitty strategy, man. <laughs> it didn't work very well. I remember I increased the sweat rate, just increased my, my body got warm, warmer and warmer. And eventually, three minutes later, when I thought I had circled the, the topic enough, I still didn't arrive at the answer. It's still very impressive that you're still on the same topic, though, because I've literally heard people use that strategy where they just keep on talking in the hopes of they coming up what they were actually supposed to say, mm. but then they've already left the topic, gone into two other topics, and they have no idea which topic they are on. <laughs> no. uh, I think they, they in between the words, kind of 
resorted to finding the the question and the answer themselves. Yeah, but it's it's yeah, it's not a proud moment. Mm. It's not you know, but you know what? You know the chances of them first of all remembering that is probably zero. Mm, yeah, yeah. True, true. And the second thing is that they have. Uh, the chances are that they noticed that you were nervous is probably also very limited. Mm. And if they noticed that you were nervous, it just made you more human and mm. they cared for you. Uh, but from your point of view, you probably felt like they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me, you know, with their mind. It's crazy in that way where that memory is now in me. Yeah. But as you say, they that was just three minutes of someone else's time and it's not important for their lives. But it's important in my life mm. because next time I'm going up on stage, I will have that memory. It's yeah. a new audience, but I'm still connected with the task that I'm doing, mm. standing on that stage, talking in front of new people, but it's still people. The situation for me is the exact same. Yeah. And the memories come back and that triggers the responses, making mm. it feel tough. Yeah. Hey, that's, uh, that's life, right? Mm. Mm. So... Has this happened to you? I I very rarely. Uh, I don't think I've had a... Maybe I've had one full-out, blackout kind of thing. I didn't faint, but it happened in my second TED Talk. Mm. I have a... When I go through my second TED Talk, which is the magical science of storytelling, I go through oxytocin, and then I go through the story of my child who... Who, who died at birth or just prior to, to being born. And that just emotionally hit me so strongly when I was up there delivering the talk that that in combination with the immense stress that I felt, because when I do my TED Talks, it feels like at least I feel a pressure to be judged because I am supposed to be an expert in public speaking and I have to deliver a keynote on public speaking whilst using public speaking. That's very rare that you have to use your own subject to prove your point. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I'm always a, quite nervous because I know these TED Talks are going to be seen by millions of people and they're going to be recorded and they're going to exist forever. So that in combination with that phenomenal impact of that story of my unborn son, uh, that was just too much. So I uh, somewhere, minute. 13, 14, I don't know where it is, 12 maybe, I just uh, blacked out in regards to that I had no idea what I was saying. But I had rehearsed my TED Talk so many times that it just went on to like an automatic thing. And it just, my mouth just went at it. And it knew exactly which word to say, where to move, what to do, where to stand, which gesture to use. Mm. But I... For me, it felt strange because when I left the stage, I have no idea what I said. I have no idea what happened the last five minutes. Um, but people love the five last mi minutes. So, And I don't think people can actually see the difference, but I felt mm. a massive mm. difference. But I, it was saved by my like, phenomenal amounts of hours I put into practicing it. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that would be an example. Yeah. Well, but, it's a very strong one, mm. not remembering still to this day, I guess, then yeah. the, what you actually did within those five minutes, but have, due yeah. to rehearsing and and just having done all of that prep work, yeah. it was possible to just keep on. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I guess for most that's not the case. I, I assume now the amount of time that you put in to the TED Talks is not equal to the amount of time people usually put into preparing for their presentations. Mm. It, there is a big gap in that, I believe, especially if you're doing a corporate presentation or a sales presentation, whatever it may be, something that you just do on the fly, a, a weekly presentation yeah. perhaps. So what are, have you seen like, in the years of coaching people and what what have you seen the strategies that people use. I mean, my babbling on yeah. was one very terrible thing yeah. to do. Have you seen other things that people do that are maybe not the the, the best ways to tackle blackouts? <laughs> ways that weren't good. Wow. I'd say that the, I don't think people really have strategies for it, you know? It's uh, because their mind just goes blank and they they're not able to think, they're not able to cognitively execute efficient thoughts. Mm. So by instinct, they either just shut down or they babble as you do, <laughs> um, or they just cut the talk short and they leave, mm. something like that. But there are plenty of strategies to, to you know, like work around mm. it. And mm. I've also got to add, like, what is a blackout? Well, we've got to have kind of a scale. So if we look at a scale from zero to 10, mm. so zero is you're super calm, nothing going on. But like one would be light nervousness, mm. like just a slight tension. Uh, maybe two is a stronger tension. Maybe you can start to feel your heartbeat. Level three, that's, I think that's where, the, where, where nervousness stops being good for you. Um, then you go on to level four, level five, level six, and that's where it just increases the inability to remember things, inability to speak, and level 10 is where your blood pressure is so high that you literally faint. Hmm. Uh, so it's a scale. Yeah. So if we're looking at blackouts, we're looking at how can we, what are the tips for, for, yeah. for like eight to 10? Because they vary on the scale, mm. the tips mm. for zero to three and three to five and so on. They vary and there are so many. Mm. Mm. So if a person finds him or herself at a level 9, 10 severe blackout, well, 10, obviously, they're fainting, so you have to call the ambulance and maybe yeah. get some some uh, some help in there. 10 is fainting, 9, yeah. nine is <laughs> so, so, so still awake. The, 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 the almost most serious, but not the most serious. Yeah. yeah. If we go from that part, what would uh, what would your suggestion be? Is it more preparations in the beginning, just to not make sure from the beginning, from the start, that you don't end up there? Yeah. Or how do you tackle this? Catch it as early as possible. It probably starts at the seven mm. and carries on to a nine. And if you catch it at seven, it's way easier to stop. Mm. So whenever you're you're struck by fear, you your sympathetic nervous system is impacted. So you have a parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system parasympathetic is the relaxed version of you that's the one that's activated when you go to bed and you go to sleep and then you have sympathetic nervous system which is the nervous system that tries to get you out of anything that may harm you so fight and flight freeze kind of thing mm. and that's quite fun as well fight flight freeze you know if you're out driving your car and there's a deer which comes up on the road uh, it's obviously frightened to death What's its strategy? It mm. has fight. I haven't seen a lot of deer fight, but that flight 
that doesn't actually happen. Freeze is more common. Mm. So they just stop and they look at you and they go like, are you going to kill me? What's going on? I'm just going to stand still. Maybe you won't see me. Yeah. yeah. And then for some reason they flee and they run away. And it's the same thing when you see people on stage where they literally freeze. Mm. They don't get out of their spot. They just stand still. And when you stand still, your that entire sensation just builds up and to release your stress you need to move mm. so that is one of the strategies to to um, reduce your nervousness mm. to have functional movements so when you feel that you're up there and you're hitting level seven you're starting to feel your pulse go up inst- instead of ir- again you shouldn't either irregularly run backwards and forwards backwards and forwards because that, that's the deer running backwards and forwards backwards mm. and forwards mm-hmm. over a road trying to escape mm. yeah that's bad as well but functionally moving on stage will reduce your nervousness. And it's, it's the way. So you can either, either reduce nervousness by mental techniques or physical techniques. Mental techniques isn't the most brilliant strategy around seven, eight, nine, because your cognitive abilities, they're just out of the room. So you should use physical techniques to reduce your nervousness. Mm. What are they? What are the physical techniques to reduce nervousness? Well... Uh, the most obvious one is is breathing. So we know breathing has a like a direct access to the brain in regards to making us calm. Mm. And I'd like just to share a, a cool study on this, which I think is just so representative of this. And that is that um, so they had a a family of of rats, which they led through like a metal tunnel and they uh, they could go through it or they could uh, stop or they could go wherever they wanted but they had to go through the tunnel once and then they smashed and drummed on this tunnel and they got scared mad and they ran away okay and then they deactivated rapid breathing don't tell don't i don't ask me how you do that but they like literally just deactivated rapid breathing in these rats and then they had them go through the tunnel again and they drummed at the tunnel and the rats just laid down in the tunnel itself super relaxed super chill this tells us that breathing is directly connected to the amplification of fear which means that if you start feeling fearful, simply breathing slower in a slower breathing pattern will signal to your brain that we're okay. Mm. So it's like the primary switch to reduce nervousness or, or panic. Mm. Yeah, I guess because like when you go into panic, as you say, freezing and then tensing up and even almost forgetting to breathe yeah. will just pause everything inside you mm. it feels yeah well you're frozen yeah so it's it's a way to just start to thaw up your body yeah. in a way breathe getting the warmth and mm. then start moving yeah mm. there is a particular breathing techniques particular breathing technique which is called the physiological sigh and i've found that to be absolutely most powerful you know i mm. get i still get nervous these days and sometimes i have clients who are super nervous but the physiological sigh also empties your body of carbon dioxide to a, to a greater degree and, and also impacts your, your 
overall breathing pattern. So the way you do it is two quick inhales through your nostrils and then a long exhale, preferably with a sigh at the end. Mm. So you also activate your vagus nerve. So it would go like something like this, where you go... Now, that can be difficult to do at level eight while on stage, right? <laughs> Especially yeah. if you have a microphone. Yeah. But imagine that you're either just going up to stage or standing on stage, or you're showing them a video whilst uh, you have a moment for yourself. You do this. And you do this three or four times, and you'll feel an immediate impact in your seven, eights, or nines going down to sixes. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I'd definitely recommend the physiological sigh. I'd recommend movement. Not only, not any movement at all. I'll give you an example. I had a keynote for Ericsson. This was in my younger years, so a while ago. And uh, what I've learned is to catch nervousness early on. Mm -hmm. So the earlier you catch it, the the earlier it'll stop and the less it'll escalate and the easier it will be to stop it. So I am in this room, there's three, four hundred people in there and I was, I'm just about to go up when for some reason they say, you know this one's in English, right? And I'd prepared it in Swedish. <laughs> so that messed me up a bit. But then when I, and when I was there, I was going through the ethos, logos and pathos, like the most classical rhetorical model around mm. Aristoteles here we go and I'm up there and I go and then we have ethos and then we have logos and then we have what the freak and I couldn't come up with it <laughs> I've said it a million times but I just couldn't remember it I started to feel my heart racing I started to feel like myself sweating I started to feel me going from a two to a three to a four to a five very quickly I realize this is happening. So consciously now, I turn around and I look at them in a very slow pace. I say, isn't the mind an interesting thing? I know this. I've said this a thousand times. However, I have no idea what it is. And I don't want you to help me either. Uh -huh. I want I want to figure this one out myself. So just give me a moment. We'll just carry on and it'll come back to me, okay? And I just carried on working on the other stuff. And then I go like, boom, there we are. It's pathos. <laughs> yes. All right. Back to ethos for now. <laughs> and the uh, what I want to say with this is that A, what I did was when you consciously slow down your breath, consciously slow down your movements, consciously slow down your pace of voice, it signals to your brain that you are definitely not running away from anything. And it goes like, okay, all right, maybe I was wrong then. Maybe we'll just calm this shit down and, you know, remove that adrenaline rush that you're having in your body. Cool. I'm with you. I'm on your side now. And then the second thing, this is such an important thing to remember when it comes to nervousness and making mistakes, and that is that it makes you human. It is in the mistakes, it's in the vulnerability that you connect with your audience. It is so important that when I build my TED Talks, I spend four hours for each minute in preparation. And my TED Talks become so flawless that I have to add mistakes for them to seem more human. Mm. Right? Uh, that, so, therefore, 
embrace the mistakes. That's such a big mental shift for people. So when something happens to you, you don't go, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I need to fix it. That is the worst case because one, you're making yourself more nervous, you incapacitate your mental cognitive abilities, and B, you seem like you don't know what you're doing. Mm. But if you do what I did, you go, I'm sorry, I j- let me just look at my notes. Just And you go flip, 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 flip. Ah, of course. And then you carry on. You won. That mm. you, you just gave yourself 10 points mm. instead of removing 10 points. Use occasions like this as, a, as an opportunity of, of connecting. Mm. Mm. I like that. Being human, just being yourself. Yeah. And it's okay. Which means that if you do a mistake, you just own the mistake. And then you will go away from that point where they just a better reflection of what happened. So when you stand on the stage next time, it's not the same that I, I felt when I couldn't answer the question and I went up on stage, will I remember now? Mm-hmm. Because it's just all right. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly. It's better than all right. Mm. Something you should do to connect with your audience. Mm. Show vulnerability. Show who you are. Yeah. Right? I had a talk just a couple of weeks ago where uh, I was in um, Miami and I, I was missing my family a lot. And I, I began, or very early in my talk, I said something of the lines of, because it was a talk on self-leadership. And I said, what is self-leadership? Self-leadership is choosing how you want to feel when you want to feel it in order to be as awesome as possible in the activity that you're going into. And I miss my family. I miss my family so much. I'm here in Miami. I've been gone for them. I miss my wife. But sometimes we don't miss our family. Sometimes we don't miss our wife because we spend all the time with them. So I've got this conscious technique of when I'm in the car, I'm, maybe I've just been to the shop or something like I'm coming back to my family. I've spent the entire week with them or weeks with them. And just for a moment, for 30 seconds, I imagine that when I get home, it is dark, it is locked. And for some reason, my family doesn't exist anymore because they passed away mm. in a car accident or something. I do that for 30 seconds. I come home and I give them such a hug and with such presence because I choose who I want to be in that moment. And uh, when I did that in this talk, I just showed vulnerability and um, gave them a part of my personal life. Damn, that was one of the better talks. Mm. Daring to be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, wow. So, (laughs) daring to be vulnerable, being human, that's basically the most important things. That's the most important things in mistakes, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And don't forget, if you find yourself at around a seven, you feel nervousness is building up, use the physiological sigh to just breathe, get warmth back into your body, get out of the freeze, Mm. and you should be okay. Yeah, and combine that with slow movements, slow pace, functional movements around the stage. And yeah, those in combination will signal to your brain that, hey, we're not being chased. 
That was a false alarm. We're good to go. Here we go. Here's your brain power back. You can now remember language. There you go. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. And embrace mistakes. Just embrace yep. them. Mm. Be happy yep. that they happened. You're more connected with your audience mm. and you're just showing who you are. Yeah. That's great. That's great. All right. I think we're at the end, David. Yeah. For today. Sure. Blackout. Check. Check. Done that. And uh, well, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank Indeed. you so much for listening. See you again. Ciao. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.